Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Penzoil performance line today, they include Pat Fitzgerald, coach of Northwestern, who was with me a half hour ago. I enjoyed that very much. Mike Tannenbaum will join me in a couple of minutes. I will enjoy that slightly less, but still a great deal. I love Tannenbaum, and he was dead right on Justin Herbert, and he's been dead right on a bunch of other things, and we'll get him in on all things around the National Football League in just a few minutes. But Fitzy is a different, you know, that's a whole different thing. You know how I frequently have, have, I I was renaming my kids, Sam and Darnold. I have two kids. I have a daughter named Nikki and a son named Steven. And and, and, and the beginning of of the season, I was considering renaming them. I was going to rename one of them Sam and one of them Darnold. It didn't really matter which one. But clearly, he's not going to be the quarterback of the Jets anymore, and it's a, it's a tragedy. But maybe I will pick, I will rename one of them Pat and the other one Fitzgerald. I'll let my kids decide later today which one they want to be. Uh, anyway, let's start by talking about the NFC East. Where have we been so far today? We still got to get to Aaron Rodgers. We started with my three hot takes. We'll do your hot takes as we continue here. I want to catch you up on the things that we've missed. We've talked about how good Justin Herbert is. We've talked about what a terrible shame it is to see Joe Burrow going down. And we've talked about how Patrick Mahomes has just lulled us all to sleep. He is the most valuable player in the NFL right now, and it's not close. And he just makes us overlook performances like the one he had last night. Here's what we haven't gotten to yet. We haven't gotten the three numbers. Baba, give me a little music here, a little football music. I'm going to give you three statistics coming off of the, uh, the notes here from the Elias Sports Bureau about the NFC East, otherwise known as the NFC Least, where all the teams have three wins and the Eagles have the division lead on the virtue of a tie. Let me give you three stats coming out of that. First off, number three, the division's winning percentage is 313. That is the second worst winning percentage by a division this late into a season since the merger. And it is only slightly better than the winning percentage the Cleveland Browns have had since they came back into the league in 1999. The entire division has had the level of futility of the Browns. Number two. But it gets worse. The Eagles, according to FPI, have a 46% chance to win the division. That's the highest of the group. I'm flabbergasted by that. Their three wins are the fewest by a division leader through week 11 since the merger. And then finally, number one, there is some good news for the division. It went two and one this week, marking the first week this season where the division posted a winning record. It was also just the second time where the division won more than one game in the same week. Those are just a few notes. A ridiculously terrible NFC East, which will be won by the Dallas Cowboys. I know everyone is getting hot on the Giants bandwagon. And I know FPI inexplicably says they like the Eagles, I guess because of the tie. But the Eagles are actually the worst team in the division. They're supposed to be the best. They should be the best because they have a Super Bowl winning coach and a quarterback who people have associated with the letters MVP. But the truth is no one is coaching his team worse than Doug Peterson is. And no quarterback in the division is playing worse than Carson Wentz. Certainly not since the Cowboys got Andy Dalton back yesterday, and they look like a whole different team. They looked by far the best they've looked this season yesterday. Then there's the Washington football team. They're a mess. How would they look right now if they had drafted Justin Herbert? And then you get to the Giants. They've become kind of a sexy pick. And I think the reason why came up when I asked Dan Orlovsky this morning of the quarterbacks in the NFC East, which one do you trust the most? It's Daniel Jones if he Mm. doesn't turn the football over. 
And I want everyone to understand how difficult that is for me to say and how mind-blowing it is for me to say. That I trust Daniel Jones the most out of anyone in that division, as long as he doesn't turn the football over. And the truth is this. Over the last six games, the Giants are 3-3. Three and three, And those three losses are by six points. The Giants are the best team in that division. You know, I mean, that's the point people are making. So let me bring Mike Tannenbaum into the conversation on that thought. He is with me on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Hello again, Mike T. And let me, let me follow up on two things that got said there. First of all, who do you believe winds up coming out on top in the NFC East when all is said and done? Well, Greedy, first of all, I got to say that I'm glad I'm only slightly below uh, – Coach Fitzpatrick. I thought I would be like monumentally below. So, uh-huh. you know, I feel like I'm off to a great start here. <laughs> yes. Um, I was being I nice. Say, I was, I was, I'm, let's be honest. I was being kind. <laughs> I mean, you are well below Ryan Fitz, Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick. You said Fitzpatrick. That's the quarterback. It's Pat Fitzgerald, um, who I was talking about. Yeah. You, I would put you slightly behind Ryan Fitzpatrick now, but that's a whole different conversation. Okay. <laughs> let's get to business. Who's going to win the division, Tannenbaum? I agree with you, Greeny. I'm going to go with Dallas because they have the best and most consistent quarterback in Andy Dalton. And, you know, we love Dan Orlowski, but you can't have the caveat of if he doesn't turn it over. Daniel Jones always turns it over. Last week was the first game in his career he had not had at least one fumble. There was one other game where he fumbled and he recovered it, but which is really an amazing statistic. So despite everything and all the noise, I agree with you. I think Dallas will win the NFC East. Especially if you look at the schedule the rest of the way. The Eagles have one of the hardest schedules remaining in their season, and the Cowboys have one of the easiest in the league. I'm not talking about within the teams in the division. So I, I like Dallas to win that division. Quickly, the, 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 what have you seen? Because Daniel Jones has become an interesting topic of conversation. I know it's a team that had a bye this week, but he's become sort of an interesting topic because there was a while there where it looked like the Giants might be one of the teams that could be in the bidding for one of the best quarterbacks, could, could be in there in the draft situation. Have you seen enough from Daniel Jones that convinces you he's your quarterback of the future? You know, Greeny, it's going that direction. I think the game has slowed down a little bit for him. And I think we're seeing some of his athleticism come out. Obviously, you know, he had the noteworthy, you know, when he stumbled the first time against the Eagles. But, you know, in talking to Jay Billis before the draft a year and a half ago, you know, he talked about coaching him going back to high school basketball and that that he could have been a major Division One basketball player. So I think sometimes we forget about his athleticism. And they do have some underrated young skill players. Darius Slayton's a little bit under the radar. I like him a lot. And they've done this without Saquon Barkley. So they have so many other needs, most notably pass rusher, that, look, if Trevor Lawrence, which is highly unlikely at this point, falls in their lap, that's one thing. But beyond that, I think he's earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt thus far. And let's give Joe Judge a ton of credit. That defense has improved. They're cutting down on turnovers. So I think Jones and the Giants are heading in the right direction. I do, too. And and whether... Uh, They may be a year too soon for this, but I think their future looks the brightest of any team in the division. Now let me get to two places I will give you credit. You were on uh, Get Up With Me pretty much all summer long, and there were two things I've heard you talk about at length that I think you had dead right. Let's start with the more interesting one. You, before the draft, were the only person who was saying that if you had the first pick of all the quarterbacks, you would have taken Justin Herbert. And a lot of I will admit that a lot of us were sort of mocking that idea and there were a lot there were a lot of rolled eyes and all that kind of stuff right this minute you look awfully good what did you see in him and what have you seen so far you know greeny it's pretty easy for me it's talent and character this guy has impeccable character four-year starter he was a ta as an undergrad he his intelligence is off the charts but put that aside 
This guy is Ben Roethlisberger. People don't understand how big he is. If you watch the Wisconsin game, the Rose Bowl in particular, he made people miss athletically, and he ran people over. And then you go to the offseason, Senior Bowl, Combine. He showed up for everything. He was the best player. He threw it flawlessly in Indy with receivers he had never been around. And, I, and I'm guilty of this too, Greeny, which is we have this East Coast bias where we live on the East Coast, a lot of eyeballs are here, and we watch Alabama, we watch the SEC. And I'm just telling you, if everyone went through the process open-minded and just judged Justin Herbert as the player, it was pretty, I wouldn't say an easy decision, but it was a very apparent one to me because he was physical and he had great intangibles. So, look, we have a million miles to go, but what I'm seeing now is really what I saw at Oregon. Yes, he has been brilliant, and maybe the Dolphins will wind up regretting taking Tua ahead of him. I wonder if Washington right now regrets taking Chase Young at number two, and that's not in any way a value judgment on Young. Young is a terrific young player and is going to be absolutely great on that defensive line for 10 years. But you can't replace the value of a quarterback. They've clearly given up on Dwayne Haskins, and Justin Herbert was sitting there and they didn't take him. Yeah, that's a really good point, Greeny. Until you have a great one, you got to keep looking. Every rock every day was a saying that we always used to use. And what was interesting to me about Haskins was, if you listen to Ron Rivera carefully, early in the year he said, hey, we're going to go with Haskins, and I had Cam Newton early in my career. We live with the turnovers. It was an investment in his future. And then a couple weeks later, Haskins went from one to three. Kyle Allen and... Alex Smith both moved up, and that was really interesting to me. That said to me that Coach Rivera saw something from an intangible standpoint or a preparation standpoint because to go from one to three said everything we need to know. So I think that's a great observation, Greeny, that clearly they don't know who their quarterback is of the future. Greeny and Mike Tannenbaum with me here. And listen, we all accidentally damage our phones, right? That happens. Well, now Straight Talk Wireless's new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection, just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. So that was one you had right. Uh, Tannenbaum, you told us all Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in this draft. And right at this moment, it certainly is difficult to argue. The other thing you've been saying for a while, and I, I heard Amy Trask say this as well, that you thought the Bengals were putting too much on Joe Burrow, that they may have mishandled the way they handled him from the very beginning, letting Andy Dalton get away. And now we see what happened yesterday. So look, it's easy to jump up and down and scream and yell after he tears up his knee. But what were your thoughts on the Burrow situation and where do you think it goes from here? Agreed. I take no pride in being right on this one, but it was so fundamental to me, which was you cut Andy Dalton in this year of all years, Greeny, no offseason program, no OTAs, no games in the preseason. How would you let Andy Dalton and all that wisdom walk out the door? We saw it firsthand with the Jets. Chad Payton sat for over two years behind Vinny Testaverde. Patrick Mahomes started one game his rookie year. Why not absorb all that information from Andy Dalton the Dolphins did it with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Chargers have done it with Tyrod Taylor. I don't know why they let him walk out the door. Then that's exacerbated by the fact that, as Hembo pointed out, Joe Burrow had 450 dropbacks, number one in the NFL. You have Gio Bernard. You have Joe Mixon. How about having some balance to put him in the best position to be successful? So we all know the offensive line is below average. You don't have to start on opening day. This is a 10-year decision. Joe Burrow could be the face of this franchise for the next 10 years. No one's going back to the Kansas City Chiefs and saying, wow, 
in 2017. We wish he had played more than one game. They put him in a position to be successful for 10 years, and that's exactly what Cincinnati should have done, and it's completely on them. It's a tragic injury, and while maybe that specific injury couldn't have been avoided, he was sacked the third most amount of times, and those cumulative hits are impactful. Just ask Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he still has... Uh, the most he has thrown the most passes of anybody in the NFL this year, 404. Tom Brady will pass that tonight, most likely, uh, assuming he throws 20 passes tonight. But um, the fact remains, there's a rookie without a real preseason or any preseason, without a regular offseason, going out there. And to his everlasting credit, he, he handled himself extraordinarily well. But now it all looks very different when they're carting him off the field. One more thing for you here, Mike. Um, what did you make of the Saints yesterday the way they handled the whole thing with Taysom Hill what do you think they do for the remainder of the time that Breeze is out and I guess if I could make it a three-way question do they look like the best team in the NFC to you the last question absolutely you know here's something that's remarkable they're six and oh over the last two years without Drew Breeze and maybe the most impressive thing about Taysom Hill yesterday was Alvin Kamara had zero pass reception so what does that tell me they actually have room to get better so they look more explosive than Atlanta they were diverse not everything went to Michael Thomas which if it did it would have been understandable and he made plays with his feet which we knew he could do so this is a really well-balanced team they've done a great job of developing other skill players besides Thomas and Kamara and I think without question they're the best team when they went head-to-head with Tampa it wasn't even close so they very well may have the quarterback of the future and one other thing that bears Noting, Greeny, is this. Everybody's talking about Hill and Winston, but if we go back to the offseason when they signed Winston, he was their third-string quarterback. So, again, in this unusual offseason, it really wasn't a fair comparison. Taysom Hill has been there for three years, and you think about all the meetings and preseason games. Jameis Winston got very few reps as the third-string quarterback, so they may not even be down on Jameis Winston. This is more a function of Taysom Hill has been there. He knows the offense better, and he's earned the right to you know, carry the torch. So I think they could be in a great situation where they may have Hill and Winston into the future, let Drew, Drew Brees become a broadcaster and move forward. So it's really a great job of uh, strategic planning by them. All right, Mike, stay with me here for a second because we're getting some breaking news. Uh, this was just sent to me. It's a statement from the Baltimore Ravens, and I want to get your reaction to it. I'll read it verbatim. Late last night, we were informed that multiple members of the Baltimore Ravens organization tested positive for COVID-19, and those individuals immediately began to self-quarantine. We have started the process of contact tracing, and during this time, the Under Armour Performance Center will be closed with all team activities conducted virtually. We will continue to work closely with and follow guidance from the NFL team doctors and our medical trainers. That's a statement from the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about earlier how uh, badly they played, we thought, uh, yesterday against Tennessee and losing at home but Mike you hear that again it it always it shakes you up a little bit when you hear about these tests that come in the night that a game was played so far it does not seem that they that that there are any to my knowledge instances of transmission on the playing field so we certainly hope that won't be the case but the Titans who they played yesterday have been through their own bout of coronavirus issues and now I suppose they'll take a close look there What, what do you think of the whole thing Yeah, boy, that's awful to hear, obviously, in this day and age. You know, those are things that unfortunately can happen, Greedy. And Dr. Alan Sills, the head medical director of the NFL, keeps saying that they do not believe that can be transmitted during the game. So let's hope that is the case. And if I'm a Raven fan, one thing that would give me some encouragement in watching the game last night, 
the LA, the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say, played really well on defense despite having most of their defensive players participate all week via Zoom. So by no means um, does this mean they can't win. But boy, on a short week, this is the last thing they needed to hear. Uh, they have a they have a massive, massive game this week on Thursday night against Pittsburgh. So it's going to be another hurdle that they have to overcome. Yes, let's point that out again. Uh, that's one of the reasons this is so significant. They play the Steelers Thanksgiving night at Pittsburgh in a monster game. And that's a Steeler team that, frankly, they had a really good chance to beat. They had the Steelers on the ropes when they met a few weeks ago. Pittsburgh came back and beat them. And, frankly, things have just not looked the same for Baltimore since. This clearly is something that is far different from and more important than the outcome of a football game. But it certainly could have an impact on that game and beyond. Mike Tannenbaum, really good to see you. Thank you, my friend. This was a pleasure. You have worked your way up to being very close, very close to Pat Fitzgerald's status with this conversation. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I know that, that's uh, a Herculean step for me, and uh, great to be with you. Lot, lots going on in the league, so appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to the family, my friend. I'll see you soon. That's Mike Tannenbaum with me. Um, that, so that, that's when, when uh, I just was reading that note there, that, that uh, statement, and it didn't occur to me until Mike said it. That's right. They play Thursday. So what we don't know is whether there are players involved in this. Let, let me read that again. Again, this is the statement from the Ravens informed that multiple members of the Baltimore Ravens organization tested positive and those individuals immediately began to self-quarantine. So the thing that you watch closely for now is do a bunch of players go on the list, go on the COVID list? Because, again, they play Thursday. So, yes, the Raiders played a good game last night, having had just about their entire defense on the COVID list all week. But they came off that list in time to play. That might not be the case here. We'll have to do a little more looking into this. But that feels very worth keeping an eye on, with that being by far the best of the three Thursday games. The Thursday slate this year, not outstanding for Thanksgiving. Houston, Detroit, that's a game that looked a lot better when it was scheduled. Doesn't look so good now. Dallas, Washington, obviously, it's for first place in the division. So they're both terrible teams, but it, the game means something. And then, of course, Pittsburgh-Baltimore should be the best game of the day. We'll see if it is. The best game of tonight, without question, will be the Bucks and the Rams. And we'll do a Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. This should be a fascinating game, and it is a game that I think could easily wind up being played again in the playoffs. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFC West. I think they have the best defense, and I trust their coach to get enough out of their offense. The Buccaneers are the hot and cold team, and I think it is because of the continued tug of war between Brady and what he should be doing offensively and Bruce Arians and what he wants to do offensively. So if that team runs the football tonight with Rojo and they um, they play the, the possession game and the quick three-step drop game that that Brady plays – I think they win tonight. When they do that, I think they are the second best team in the NFC. I have been saying for a while the best. I can't say it anymore. I have to give credit to where it's due to New Orleans. You'd be No one could watch them play right now and not say they're the best team in the NFC. But I think the Buccaneers have a chance to be the second. The Rams have that chance too, by the way. The Rams are pretty complete if you buy into their offense. If their quarterback plays well, the Rams are pretty complete. And Aaron Donald obviously can cause a lot of trouble up the middle, and let's see who they decide to put Jalen Ramsey on. So I will take the Buccaneers to win tonight with the caveat that they need to play Brady ball. They need to play Tampa Tom ball, not no risk it, no biscuit ball. And if the coach doesn't disabuse himself of that notion, not only will they not win tonight, but this is a team that will not win a playoff game. 
So we'll see what ends up happening. That's Monday Night Football tonight, a really good one on ESPN. And the preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. All right, I've been doing a lot of talking now. It's time for you to do some talking. The hot takes are coming up next, and they're yours. And my phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-SAY-ESPN, 729-3776. Give me a call right now with your hot takes coming out of your NFL Sunday. The hotter, the better. Now on ESPN+. Plus. Do you know what I've lived through as a fan of this franchise? The daily video stream of Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The big personality has worked against him. It has bit him in the butt this year. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. The Max Kellerman Show. Dan Lebitard. And Janae Angola Jr. can now be seen exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. With ESPN+, Plus, you'll get access to each show, plus live sports, exclusive originals, and more. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're coming to you live today from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Quick reminder, this show is a podcast every single day, wherever you get your podcasts. You can download it. We separate them into each of two hours there. So it's convenient whenever you like. It's called Hashtag Greeny, and it's available anywhere you listen to your podcast. One more piece of business. I am presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Got coaches saying interesting things we're going to get to in a couple of minutes here. And I also i am just reading this tweet from Jeff Goodman, who used to work with us at ESPN covering college basketball, and he just tweeted, we're not even at 1 p.m. Eastern. We've had Duke and Arizona cancel their season openers. Baylor is out of the Mohegan Sun tournament, and now Tennessee's Rick Barnes test positive for COVID. We need a new plan for college hoops. I said this to you two weeks ago or last week, whenever it was that Patino said it. He's right. We should have May Madness this year. There's no way in the world we're playing a college basketball season that starts this week. It's it's insane. The idea that they can have these kids traveling all over the country right now with what's going on, playing this indoor sport where these guys breathe in each other's face nonstop? I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what, what it is that makes them think they can do this. So I love the sport. I hope they can figure out a way to make it work. But I think pushing it back to a place, trying to get this thing under some semblance of control, I think Patino had that right. 
Okay, let's get to the hot takes. Go ahead, Bubba. Give me a little music here. We'll go through uh, the best moments from yesterday in the National Football League. Give me the hottest takes you've got at 888-SAY-ESPN. Brian, you were first up on ESPN Radio. What's your hot take? Hey, Greeny. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you. Um, Yeah, fellow long-suffering Jets fan, so I'm going to give you a hot take, and I'm really not trying to be that guy. I'm going to defend my position and give you a name. If the Jets wind up with the overall number one pick, Joe Douglas has done a good job this year in the draft. The cupboard is bare. I would want them to trade both the pick and Sam Darnold for picks and draft Ryan Trask out of Florida to be the quarterback. Well, so so I I understand what you're saying about the cupboard being bare. Trask has become, I think at this point, the frontrunner for the Heisman. I will confess, I do not know enough about him as a pro prospect. First of all, look, I appreciate the call. I appreciate the hot takes. I enjoy the spirit in which it is made. Uh, There's literally zero chance that's going to happen. I will also say that of all of the times that we've had Mel and McShay and some of the other draft analysts on, his name does not come up. They're talking about multiple quarterbacks in the first round. Everyone knows about the first two in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. There's also the kid Lance, and there's the kid from Alabama. There are some other names that come up. That's not one that does. So I don't, I don't, he's not being talked about in the first round. So look, maybe you know something the rest of the world doesn't, but I can tell you there's literally zero chance that if the Jets wind up getting the first pick, they won't take Trevor Lawrence. Now, we could debate whether they should or they shouldn't, but there's no way they won't. Brian, thank you for the call. Steve, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Steve, give me a hot take. Thank you, Greeny. My hot take is it is time for more bum franchises like the Cincinnati Bengals to draft quarterbacks in order to be the saviors of their franchise. If you take a top-five caliber quarterback that Joe Burrow is and the potential and upside that he has, you better have a top-five caliber offensive line to protect him. But if drafting him, asking him to come in to overcompensate for weaknesses that they have that could have a negative impact early in his career can definitely damage his potential and potentially shorten his career as we're seeing with his knee injury. So it's time for more bum friends as a stop drafting quarterbacks to be their savior until you have a team built that the quarterback can come in and be successful but also healthy and have a chance to succeed. Look, it, it, I love the call, and it'll never happen, literally never happen, for two reasons. One is drafting a young quarterback that the fan base gets excited about is the best way to sell hope, which when you're bad is the only thing you can sell to your fans. So nothing makes fans more excited than their team having a young quarterback who's supposed to be good. The second is the way the, the current situation is structured, there's nothing better to have than a quarterback on a rookie deal playing well. Once you have to pay the quarterback, it changes everything else. So the math works best when the quarterback is a rookie and in his second year, when you've got them inexpensive. Even if he's the first pick in the draft, he is comparatively very inexpensive. So there is all sorts of encouragement, all sorts of motivation, all sorts of ways that you are incentivized to play the quarterbacks young. Because if you can get them playing well enough to win, you can put more pieces around them then than when you have to pay him a second deal. So while I totally get what you're saying, Steve, and we talked about it earlier, the Joe Burrow thing is terrible, terrible for the franchise, terrible for the kid, terrible for the sport. That's never changing. In fact, it's only going to continue going in that direction because they're throwing these guys out there immediately and they're proving they can play. I mean, Burrow could play. Herbert can play. Tua can play. They're throwing these kids out there and they can play. 
Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Sean is next up with a hot take. Go ahead, Sean. What do you have? Hey, Greeny. How you doing? Good. Uh, my hot take is that I believe the Cleveland Browns are a better football team without Odell Beckham Jr., and they should just trade him away and try to find another key piece, maybe, you know, offensive line, defensive line, something. I don't know. But they don't need him. You know, I've heard a lot of people, listen, it's not as crazy as it sounds, and it, it beautifully fits the description of the hot take. I still think Odell Beckham is a great player. I think they have a variety of issues there. One of them is they have an offense that is built around wanting to run the football. And the second of them is that they have a quarterback who I think has a lot of limitations. They have a quarterback who's just a guy. The fact that they took him in the first round and he does a lot of television commercials doesn't make him better than he is. They're trying to win around their quarterback and bordering on in spite of him. So having Odell Beckham on that team when you don't really want to do all the things he does brilliantly doesn't make all the sense in the world. So when he comes back healthy, do I see him on another team next year? Probably not. But would it make sense for them and for him? It probably would. So, Sean, I actually like the take, and it is not meant to diminish Odell. Assuming he comes back healthy, he's a brilliant player and and has a chance to, to recapture being one of the three or four best receivers in the sport. But I don't think it ever happens there, not with that offensive system and not with that quarterback. Bubba, I missed the name. Go ahead and say it on the air. What time for one more hot take? Yep, one more. Jason. Jason, you're on ESPN Radio. Go. Hey, Green. Hey, Greeny. I think Frank Reich needs to give up his play calling duties. He played Green Bay, who couldn't stop the run. In the first half, he called 13 runs and 17 passes and dug himself into a hole of 14 points. It's just beyond compare. Here's what I'll say to you. Uh, I've already forgotten your name. I didn't write it down. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, Jason, I think I thought the first words out of your mouth when you said, I think Frank Reich, I think that you the next words I was expecting to be is the best coach in the NFL. He's done an unbelievable job with that team. Now, you could quibble with the play calling yesterday. And yes, do you want to run the ball down the throats of the Packers? Yes, to the point that I took Naheem Hines on my DraftKings yesterday because I expected them to run the ball for 150 yards on Green Bay, and they didn't. And they fell well behind in large part because Aaron Rodgers is as good as anyone has ever been, and they had a ton of penalties. At first half, the pass interference, all the rest of that, and then, of course, all the holdings at the end where they wound up winning that game in regulation. But Frank Reich is a great coach, and he has Philip Rivers playing great. I'm raising my hand. I was dead wrong on that. I thought Rivers was done. I changed my mind yesterday. Watching him play, Rivers is a big part of the reason they won that game yesterday. And I think Reich is a great coach, and I think the Eagles miss him terribly. Maybe it turns out Frank Reich was the most important coach in Philly, not Doug Peterson. I can't say that definitively, but they sure looked like they miss him a lot. Thank you for the hot takes. Thank you for the calls. I so appreciate it. I love the conversations going back and forth. We try and set aside time for that every single day. Coming up next, a coach has just said something a lot of people have been waiting for. It might not sound like much, but I think it's actually a very big deal. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, before I get to the uh, poll question for the day, you know, a coach just said something, and every once in a while, it's what you say that doesn't matter. It's not what you say. It's what you don't say. And I believe what we are seeing right now in Philadelphia is something that I never would have imagined possible. Never imagined possible. And that is that they would start to distance themselves from Carson Wentz. I thought Carson Wentz was going to be the quarterback of the Eagles for the next 15 years. And the way he finished up last season, I thought he was ready to become an MVP caliber player. I opened the show today by telling you, I'll admit when I'm wrong. All the people out there who were telling John Gruden he forgot how to coach football, crickets. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. I was wrong about Wentz. I said I thought he would have an MVP caliber season. And he's had quite the opposite. He's had the kind of season that makes you start thinking about benching him. So the coach is now saying, well, we're not going to bench him. To say that, would, there's no way in the world I'm benching him, Doug Peterson said. But then today, just a little bit of a backtrack. He did say, you know what? It might not be a bad idea to get Jalen Hurts on the field a little more. Get Jalen Hurts on the field just a little more. Now, I have no idea what Jalen Hurts is ever going to be as an NFL quarterback. I was quite surprised they took him number two. I was surprised he was a second-round pick, and I was surprised that the Eagles were the team that made that pick. But I can tell you there are a lot of people who cover that sport closely, who believe Jalen Hurts is going to be a good NFL quarterback. And you don't take a second-round pick because you want to run gadget plays. And you're going to run one little package for him. You take him because you think there's a chance he becomes your quarterback. That was why I couldn't believe it then. But maybe this has been in the air that long. Wentz has been that bad. Bad enough that this is a legitimate thing to be considering. So when the coach says, you know what, maybe it's not a bad idea to start getting the backup on the field a little bit more. The first step has been taken. The seal has been broken. The launch sequence has been activated. And if things don't turn around, if they don't win the worst division in NFL history, then I think that we might be seeing the beginning of the end of Carson Wentz in Philly. And the proof will be how much we see of Jalen Hurts. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motorols are made from natural gas. Gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. All right, one piece of business left. As we get to Thanksgiving this week, we will have one team left that is unbeaten and one team left that is winless. The Pittsburgh Steelers are unbeaten. The New York Jets are winless. I have a question up on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny asking, if you had to bet an amount of money that mattered to you, which way do you go? I'm going to keep it up through get up tomorrow morning, but I can tell you right now. Now, this is probably skewed somewhat by the fact that I think I have a lot of Jet fans who follow me on Twitter. But at this point, it is 90% voting that the Jets will go winless. 
And the only thing I can say to that is, yeah, you've watched them play. The funniest thing in the world yesterday was when the Jets opened their game by blocking a punt against the Chargers and people started tweeting, oh, you know, maybe the Chargers are even worse than the Jets. Those were people who don't watch the Jets. No one is worse than the Jets. The Jets are by far the worst team in the NFL. And I believe they, there's no question in my mind, they have a much better chance of going winless than the Steelers have of going unbeaten. I have a soundbite for each of those, by the way. Ben Roethlisberger, again, they play a big one Thursday night against the Ravens, assuming that can be played. But Roethlisberger said, they're not thinking about going unbeaten. And I said this week, we're not, we're not chasing perfection in terms of 16-0. and 0. We're chasing the Lombardis. And um, so that, that's the most important thing for us. I have no doubt that that is the most important thing, that they would much rather win the Super Bowl than go 16-0. I'm sure Tom Brady would rather have one more championship than the 16-0 season that ended 18-1. and But if you've got the chance to do it, why not do both? Ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback who's got two rings and he's going to the Hall of Fame. How much of a chance do they have? Home Ravens Thursday night. And again, if you're just joining us, there's terrible coronavirus news on the Ravens. So we'll see if it winds up impacting that game. But if they get through that, They've still got a tough road. They host Washington. Let's, let's give them a win there. Then they go to Buffalo. That's a tough game. Then they go to Cincinnati. Let's give them a win there. Then they're home to the Colts. That might be a huge game for Indy. And they finish at Cleveland. That could be the game to get the Browns into the playoffs. So I think the chances of the Steelers finishing unbeaten are very slim. They need to stay ahead of Kansas City because I think you need every advantage you can get against Mahomes and home field would be one and a bye would be the other. Remember, only one team gets a bye. As far as the Jets are concerned, Frank Gore, been around forever. Top three leading rusher in NFL history. Probably his last season. Doesn't want the offer. We think about that every day. You know, we got to get one. You know, you don't want to go on 16 and especially, you know, like I'm saying, especially this might be my last year. I can't go out like that, you know. He doesn't want to go out like that. Obviously, who can blame him? So what chance do the Jets have of winning a game? I I believe that when push comes to shove, they will win one. Again, it's an easy bet to say between the two, you would say there's a much better chance of the Jets going winless than the Steelers going unbeaten. But where do the Jets find their win? They host the Dolphins this week, then the Raiders the next week, then they go to Seattle, then they go to the Rams, then they host Cleveland, then they go to New England. Is it at New England? Is that a meaningless game for the Patriots? And I, I can't see it. I think if Belichick could find a way to give the Jets an offer, he would actually consider that the best thing that could come of the rest of his season. You know what? I'll change my mind. They are going to go winless. I believe the Steelers will not go unbeaten. I believe the Jets will go 0-16. Thanks for hanging out with me today. It's been a lot of fun. I'll see you tomorrow here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.